It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Locked On Podcast Network presents Locked On Sports Today. Is Dame Time up in Portland? Did the Scoot Henderson pick expedite Lillard's departure? Also, what is wrong with the Mets? And we tell you the best coaches in the best conference in college football. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on sports today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. Trade the third pick for pieces, they said. Build around Damian Lillard, they said. Well, they clearly do not run the Portland Trailblazers front office because the Trailblazers took Scoot Henderson with the third overall pick. And now that has created all sorts of conversations, mostly out there, uh, about what the Blazers are going to do next. Joining me now, trying to parse all this, Mike Richmond from Locked on Blazers. Mike, you and I spoke last week about all of this, and you counseled caution on those wanting to blow up the Blazers. Do you have the same counsel now that they went ahead and made the third overall pick and didn't trade it for veteran X? I um, I would say hold on to your butts because <laughs> it might be coming. It might be coming. They, um, it wasn't just that they took Scoot Henderson at three. It's that they didn't make any other trades with players in their roster. They, did, they had the 23rd pick in the draft. They didn't flip that for a vet. They now have Damian Lillard, Scoot Henderson, Anthony Simons, and Shaden Sharp all under contract. Uh, a lineup that I have called Oops All Guards. It, they're just, <laughs> they just, it just doesn't make sense. And, I, and there were in, uh, Joe Cronin, the Blazers general manager, was emphatic on draft night. He does not want to trade Damian Lillard. He wants to continue down this path. He hopes Damian Lillard uh, retires as a trailblazer. He's been, he's, been, he's been on that for months, right? And, and it felt real for a long time. Now it feels, I don't know if it feels hollow, but I will say this. I don't know that they're definitely going to trade Damian Lillard. But if they were going to launch a rebuild, it would look exactly like this. I'm still on the oops all guards line because that's just priceless. Thank you so much for bringing that into my life. But is it, isn't, couldn't you make the argument that it makes just as much sense? Say, okay, Scoot Henderson, Anthony Simons, while skill set, it's not a one-for-one replacement but you're taking an undersized off guard in this case, putting him next to Damian Lillard. Just, okay, well, then Anthony Simons becomes the trade piece. He's young. He's under contract. Just do it that way. Yep. Yep. It's 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 un- obviously right now, as we record this on late June, the roster is untenable. And you have to flip Anthony Simons. You cannot go into training camp with with Scoot and with, with Shaden Sharp and with Dame. You have to trade Amphrey Simons for someone taller than six foot eight. It's just like you, you cannot run, you cannot run an NBA team with this size. Even if you do that, though, you're going to tell Damian Lillard, hey, remember, remember how it didn't really work out with CJ? Remember how it didn't really work out with Amphrey Simons? You want to do it again with this dude from the G League? <laughs> like, I think Scoot Anderson's going to be awesome. But 
and I, I think it was a responsible move, if you have the third pick in the draft, to draft a young man who's going to be awesome. That is how you should probably operate your team. But it just seems like they're going to end up having a conversation with Damian Lillard, and he's going to say, I don't want to do this. And then they'll have to figure out what's next. So there's two pieces to this, and I, I want to I want to talk about the what's next part. Um, but I just can't help but think if they don't get the third pick, if they have the fifth pick, yeah, this is totally different, right? Hundred percent. No team has ever wanted to fall in the lottery more than Trailblazers fans <laughs> did because so th- they went in with the fifth best odds. They the way that it works, you actually have you have a much higher chance of falling than than climbing, right? So they were much more likely of over fifty percent chance to land at six or seven. chance to land in the top four. They ended up third. Never has a team been more cursed to land a top three pick in a, in a, in a draft where a generational talent is going to drop to three. It just put them in a tough spot. If they were at seven, I think you go into draft night, easy peasy. And you flip seven and you say, whatever, Anthony black, fine. We'll maybe we'll regret it, but we're not worried. Scoot changed the calculation. He changed the calculation for the franchise because if you are the GM who trades this guy and and even with the Blazers history of kind of missing on the guy a couple times there's a certain mm-hmm. gentleman who played in the in Chicago and a long-term uh member of the Oklahoma City Thunder who were not who did not play for the Trailblazers notably you miss on the guy it's going to be tough I don't think they wanted I think the reason that they didn't flip three is because they valued Scoot Henderson very highly and like I said that's probably the right move but the right move leads to this other stuff Stay up to date on the Damian Lillard saga and the Portland Trailblazers by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Blazers on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, the Mets have vastly underperformed, but why? Before we answer that, the T-Wolves are retaining a key player. Baseball season is in full swing and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to join today. Justin Verlander and the New York Mets host the Milwaukee Brewers tonight. FanDuel likes the vet to get it done with the Mets money line minus 184. So don't miss your chance to snag a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience. And without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. (laughs) 
Minnesota Timberwolves center Nas Reed has agreed to a new three-year $42 million contract that includes a player option, according to his agent from Excel Sports Management. The deal keeps Reed out of free agency and secures him to the franchise where he arrived as an undrafted one-and-done and developed into an indispensable performer. The player option for 2025-26 gives Reed a chance to get another new contract in two years. Reed had his best season, 11.5 points and almost five rebounds per game, before a season-ending wrist fracture kept him out the final weeks of the regular season, the play-in tournament, and the Western Conference playoffs. Florida scored the most runs in men's college World Series game history in a 24-4 route of LSU that forced a deciding Game 3 of the Finals. The teams will play the final game of the Men's College World Series tonight, and the winner earns the National Championship. Florida's 24 broke Notre Dame's College World Series record set in a 23-2 win over Northern Colorado in, get this, 1957. The 20-run win over the Tigers ranks second to that 57 game for largest margin and represents the largest margin of victory in a finals game. Over on the professional diamond, the Red Sox lost again to the White Sox, and the Boston fans are not straight up not having a good time. I am just not in a good mood right now at all, to say the least. I mean, this Red Sox offense is just, like, so unbelievably inconsistent. Like, you leave eight men on base today. How, how do you just not show up like that? I get that Verdugo's not in the lineup right now, and he's a huge part of the offense, but that's not an excuse. When you have so many runners on base and you can't score them when you have the opportunity to, that's just so bad. It's just gotten to the point where this offense is just so unbelievably ridiculous that it's hard to rely on them in a given situation at any point. And imagine how much better this team would be right now if the offense was more consistent. You can't lose a series to the White Sox. Like, honestly, it's just yesterday was a winnable game and I was frustrated after that. But today's just maddening, just maddening. The Nationals dominated the Padres as former Padre Mackenzie Gore dominated former National Juan Soto. The Washington Nationals beat the San Diego Padres of a score of 8-3. to three. I'm Ryan Clary, host of the Locked On Nationals podcast. Mackenzie Gore went five innings today, nine strikeouts, and most importantly in my mind, striking out Juan Soto three times today. And I've tried to think about this. We're going to do a little bit of a deeper dive in tomorrow's Locked On Nationals show. But what was the last time that Juan Soto struck out three times in one game, but also three times in one game to one pitcher? I think that was a very intriguing stat from today's game, but it wasn't just Mackenzie Moore today as J. Mary Candelario led the way. Three RBIs, three hits, and three runs scored. It was huge to see that. Luis Garcia as well, who had two hits in the party. Lane Thomas, per usual, one hit as well. This Nationals team had a complete victory today, and there was really no issues with anything. And the Rays, speaking of dominant, have been dominant in the first 81 games of the season. It's the midway point of the season, and the Rays still have the best record in all of MLB. My name is Ulysses Sembrano, host of the Locked on Rays podcast. The Rays are now 54 and 27 during the season, and on Sunday, they won behind Tyler Glass, now who went five innings and struck out 12 
batters in such a short outing in 88 pitches. Now the Rays are having a day off on Monday and they will go on yet again another West Coast trip even though they just came back from one uh, a couple weeks ago to face the Arizona Diamondbacks. And of course, an icon of the, the race will be there, Evan Longoria. For this and much more, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel, Locked on Rays, and you can also follow us on any other podcast platform. Raise up. Here is another story you need to know. Tommy, if you've heard this before, the Mets bullpen blew a game and they are now seven games below 500, fourth, in the NL East with a $350 million payroll. Ryan Finkelstein from Locked on Mets is shaking his head and joins me now. And so, Ryan, if you, if we had to put one thing on it, and by the way, I don't think it's one thing, but if you had to just pick one thing, what is the biggest thing stopping this team from reaching the potential that most of us thought it had coming into the year? It's pitching. I mean, if it's one thing, it's pitching, right? They haven't got good starting pitching. They haven't got good pitching out of the bullpen. Uh, today was just horrible to, to hit two batters with the bases loaded, and mm. that's how you lose the game. You can't even, you know, give up the hit to, to lose it. You hit the opposing team and literally take the game out of your own hands. Just a, a brutal loss, and it's, you know, 15 out of 20 that this team has lost. Well, and, and you got five runs on Zach Wheeler, which is no small feat, and, and still blow a game like this. You had a, a great point, I thought, last week on your show when you talked about Steve Cohen, the owner. New owner, now not, not quite so new now, but still trying to win too fast, too soon. Uh, explain what you mean by that. I, I think we've seen it in sports, you know, in football, the Carolina Panthers, you know, the Brooklyn Nets, and they get a new owner. A lot of times teams get a new owner, they spend a bunch of money, and they try to win right away. And a lot of times it does not work. I, throughout that podcast, did come to the conclusion that this can't really be blamed on Steve Cohen, but the people he's put in place, the people that are spending his money have not done a great job. And sometimes, particularly in baseball, it's just not your year. And anytime when you get the bats going, the pitching's not there. If the pitch is there, the bats aren't there. That's been this season for the Mets. It's just going nowhere. Right. When when Francisco Lindor is hitting 221 and Pete Alonso is hitting 226, that's not Steve Cohen's fault. At a certain yeah. point, the players have to go play. So what what is the solution here? Like trying to win too too fast, like wanting to win too much. I don't think any Mets fan is gonna fault Steve Cohen for wanting to do that. But now how do you pivot? Because I don't think any Mets fan wants to tear it down and try and pull a Tampa Bay Rays here. Well, okay. I think in the grand scheme of this season, there's going to be a point where you have to lean into your youth and just see what you have for next season. But if you're still trying to win this year, the move, and I am never the guy to do this, it's the firebuck show, Walter. And, mm. and it's only because in baseball, there are times where you fire the manager. We saw the Phillies do it last year with Joe Girardi. And it just changes the entire vibe in that clubhouse and something can happen from there. I think that's the Mets move. I just don't know if they're going to pull that trigger. So if you're, if you're the Mets understanding, okay, you, you haven't met expectations to this point. How do you find some, some small victories as we head into the all-star break? Like you have to find something, right? So is it just, Hey, the starting pitching is going to get on track. Is it, a player in particular, like if you're going to say, okay, this is going to give me a little bit of hope. 
as we reach the true dog days of summer, and you do not want to be an under 500 team in the dog days of summer, what is that for the Mets this year? I think you've seen recently a couple of veterans performing well. Max Scherzer being one of them, Tommy Pham being another, and you just saw Eduardo Escobar traded. I know that's not a direction that you were asking about this team winning, but I think a silver lining is if things do go sideways further and this team really is not a contender, I do think they're going to be able to get some stuff at the deadline this year. And I think you know going into next year that this isn't going to be a rebuild. They're still going to retool next year and try again. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's it's not a lot of optimism I can really draw from at this moment. The thing about signing what what are really good players for a lot of money, even if you're overpaying, is someone will always take them. And that's just, we've seen this over and over and over. Like these contracts, we think, oh, that's not a tradable contract. And then guess what? Three, day, three years later, that guy gets traded at the deadline because a team that is trying to win a title trades for him. And we just saw the Mets and Steve Cohen eat all the money on Eduardo Escobar's contract and get two prospects for him this weekend. So I expect a lot of that. This That's the other thing too. He might eat Max Scherzer's contract and make that a viable trade asset as well. Stay up to date all year on the New York Mets by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Mets on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Coming up, of the top five coaches in the SEC, a few may surprise you. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. The SEC is as much a daytime television drama as it is a college football conference. The cast of characters are always led by the head coaches of each team. Chris Gordy from Locked On SEC gives us the rankings for the main characters in the next season of Days of Our SEC. Best coach in the SEC, Kirby Smart, currently. And number two is Nick Saban. So I wanted to take away that suspense there. So no surprise there. The guy who's won back-to-back national championships. It's Kirby Smart, number one. And Nick Saban, don't forget that guy. He's the guy who won all the championships before Kirby, uh, that Nick Saban guy. So pretty collectively, look, some Bama fans and some folks might argue Saban still deserves to be number one, even despite Kirby's recent success. However you want to do them, that's one and two. But let's get to the other ones. They have Brian Kelly coming at number three. Uh, It feels maybe a little bit premature because Brian Kelly's only been in the SEC one year. And it was a nice job. You know, he won the SEC West. He beat Nick Saban in Alabama in year one. Uh, that's something not a lot of folks in the SEC do, period. So kind of got the monkey off his back there in year one and was able to beat Alabama. But um, I don't know. I, I guess you could say Brian Kelly, number three. But number four is Josh Heupel. Do we boost Heupel a little bit higher than Brian Kelly just simply because look at Heupel's got a couple more years there in Tennessee, and he also beat Brian Kelly head-to-head in Death Valley last year. So I might flip it a little bit. I might put Heupel three, Brian Kelly four, but those I think you can't really argue with. But number five came in very interesting. Mark Stoops from Kentucky in here. And the thing is, no matter who's going to be two through whatever on the list, Nick Saban is the straw that stirs the drink in really in college athletics. Now that Coach K 
is no longer Coach K. Nick Saban has the undisputed title as the iconic college athletics coach. He is the most bankable, the most famous, not necessarily the most accomplished, depending on where you want to rank some of these titles, how difficult those titles are. That's not the point. The biggest star in the soap opera is Nick Saban. Everything else you're playing for supporting cast. And finally, NFL quarterback Aaron Rodgers was among a wide-ranging lineup of speakers at a psychedelics conference. No, I said that right. A psychedelics conference in Denver last week and advocated for the legalization of psychedelics by discussing his own experiences. I had no idea darkness was a psychedelic or illegal. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up tomorrow, who could be a dark horse World Series team? So at least until tomorrow, stay locked on sports today. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Thank you.